it's funny because wine makes me sleepy. Uh, Not like, I mean, it makes me a little bit chatty, but then quickly like, mm, I want to go to sleep. That's why you need this much of wine before you get chatty. This much of wine is not good. Kia ora whanau, welcome to the show. Today we have a friend of mine, Volgear, on to talk about BDSM and kink, so we're in for a wild ride. Mike? Yes, that's right, Bex. <laughs> but, <laughs> I do that every podcast. Yeah, you do. I lean in and I'm like, that's right. That's, but I think the listeners are expecting it, so, you know. I need to put in my thing at some point. Yeah. That's why I do it like that. Yeah, it's all planned. Um, headlines. Alrighty, so we're going to start with something local today. A petition advocating for better postnatal care has encouraged thousands of mothers in Aotearoa to share their stories in the hope of improving services to women after birth. 85% of women who give birth vaginally? Is that how you say it? I or is it so. vaginally? No, I think it's vag... vag- I mean, I should know, but... <laughs> vaginally <laughs> experience perennial trauma. So basically rips and tears in places you can't even see, Mike. But only a small fraction of women are eligible for funded physio and injuries related to birth and not covered by ACC. I, I don't know... I. When I read this, I was actually quite shocked that it wasn't covered by anything. So basically, they've got to either pay for it themselves or what? Like, deal with it themselves. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. So there's only funding at the moment for women who have complications in surgery. But for those who just have the general, like, wear and tear, mind the pun, (laughs) (laughs) of, of birth, as you do, um, yeah, there isn't any funding or any, or any services provided for them. Um, because I was going to say, you know, there are some pretty interesting sort of uh, support services um, for women after they've given birth, but there'd be things like Plunkett and whatnot, and they wouldn't actually come under any of this, I guess. No, exactly. So, you know, women who have experienced physical trauma, um, you know, have a lot of injuries, but aren't able to get the support they need to kind of repair those. Um, so that's things like prolapse, vaginal tearing, incontinence, and postnatal depression, you know, which is more of a, a mental, emotional injury caused by birth. Um, these are really common experiences for women post-birth. And up until now, these conversations have remained largely behind closed doors. So in a really cool um, series on re-news, 11 mums have shared their story, and it is a pretty sobering read. But the petition author hopes to get over 50,000 signatures. So as an ode to all the women in your life, Add your name to the call for better post-birth care. Where do we go to sign up? So if you hop on to change.org and if you just put in the um, search bar um, birth aftercare, it should come up. Cool. Something to, you know, sign your name up to. It doesn't cost anything. So it doesn't cost do it. anything. Just do it. Um, police in Manchester have issued a, a, a serious and stark warning to shopkeepers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, this is just such a stupid and awesome news story. Um, they're, they're, they're saying, uh, they're, the warning is the shopkeepers, uh, beware of kids buying a lot of beans, like canned beans. The warning comes amidst concerns of a new viral craze. Like, I feel kind of old now saying this sort of stuff. but um, Craze. <laughs> yeah, viral craze, you know. Um, but it's called beaning. Bex, do you know what, what beaning is? I have no idea what beaning is. Can oh, you please tell me? We're taking a journey. It's okay. A, it's a craze taking the internet, and in particular, TikTok by storm. It's where you throw baked beans at stuff, like, you know, like when you, you know, 
like egging stuff. So like egging someone's house, like, but you're using beans. Yeah, except it's with baked beans. From the can, like just throw the can straight on. No, 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 like you empty the can. You, you, you yeah, yeah, it. like you, like you hold the can up and then like yes. empty. Yeah. So stupid. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the okay. man the manchester police have said quote it has come to the attention of the police that a new trend is started by groups of youths called <laughs> beaning <laughs> uh they go on to say in a in a if you work in a shop please can you be aware of you spying large quantities of cans <laughs> of beans <laughs> and if you have children living at home please be mindful if you see them removing cans of beans from the family home <laughs> <laughs> It's so stupid. If you want to learn more, search hashtag Bean Bandits. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, Mike, I want to take you through a small mindfulness exercise now. Okay. Have you done any mindfulness before? No. Oh, so it's a new experience for you. And what is a mindfulness? Is it just when you breathe and close your eyes or something? Yeah, it's just um, being present. <laughs> Centering yourself. Stop reading ahead. Really... Stop, re stop reading ahead. <laughs> okay, just take a couple of deep breaths first. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Come up to the microphone so people can hear you breathing. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay. So the listeners at home. <clears throat> We're all going to do this together. Okay. Well, not everyone will be able to do it, but well, if you can. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I want you to breathe deeply into your palms. Sorry. Imagine your testicles expanding <laughs> like lungs. <laughs> when you exhale, imagine your testicles <laughs> deflating <laughs> like your lungs would. Mike, I don't see you breathing into your balls over How the there. How can I? How can I? Yeah. Oh, okay, man. you're probably wondering oh, why so I just exposed you to that <laughs> awful thing. Um, so this is one of the videos, like a real life mindfulness video posted by Nicholas Padilla, who is an anti-ejaculation candidate running for the People's Party of Canada. You oh. heard me right, Mike anti-ejaculation candidate so this is an anti-vax anti-climate um climate science anti-immigration party that is somehow gaining steam in the polls listen to this the ppc is currently predicted to win 4.8 of the national vote uh, um <laughs> More, more, explain, please. <laughs> okay, so today is also known as Nikula Das on YouTube. So he's quite a famous YouTuber, apparently, and he's committed to making sure his followers don't ejaculate, arguing that semen retention is the key to a better and more fulfilling life. <laughs> I wish him all the best with his erection. I mean, election. <laughs> so stupid. Oh no, these people are nutcases. How is it that they're getting, <clears throat> like, I don't know, some amount of any vote? 4.8. I mean, that'd be the same. Like, I don't know, a few years back, if you remember the Conservative Party, Conservative Party, is that what they're called? With that crazy guy, yeah. the, the awful, awful human. 
<laughs> they got like close to five percent, and they did pretty well. So this is they pretty much wouldn't say. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Semen retention. Oh. Is that a thing? I think it is a thing. I've actually read like about people not. <sighs> okay. <laughs> For like two years, is a is some sort wow. of like health health. There's a health benefit. Yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't looked into it. Mm. Yeah, there's a few um, benefits. Um. I'm sure. Oh, somewhere out there. Um, actually, today, the, the, I was going to say the erection was today. <laughs> um, the election was actually uh, today. And so by the time that this podcast has mm. been played, the results should have come out already. So um, we'll see how Nicholas Perea and his party, if you want to call it that, have done. And that's really good. It's a great headline. Uh, on to not too dissimilar news uh, a recent survey by an artificial intelligence company TDO found out that about 42% of people uh, would have sexual intercourse with a robot so when they broke down the numbers there was a little bit of variation between sexes where around 48% of men would have sex with a robot and only 30, 30%, uh, sorry, 33% of women would that's actually still quite a high percentage for women yeah. 33% of women would have sex with a... I mean, yeah, actually. I mean, anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you... Have you... Did you watch that movie, Her? No. I know oh, what you're talking man, about, but I haven't film. seen it. It's such a great film. I mean, it's not anything... To, well, I mean, it's kind of bridging that gap between, like, a sex toy, which mm. is kind of a robot, in a sense. Well, yeah, I was going to say that, you know... And then, like, something with artificial intelligence, which is what these guys are talking about, kind of. Mm. But people have always, I mean, there's all, like, sex robots have been around for ages. I don't know where I know that, like, little piece of information, that little factoid from, but they've been around for, like, thousands of years. By sex robots, are you talking about, like, sex dolls? Yeah, but robots, though. So they're, so they're like the full, like a sex doll, but they talk and they make noises and yeah. kind of slightly interact back with you. Yeah. So like, <laughs> like okay. a, what do you call it? Like an androidy kind of thing. Um, the survey also revealed though that about 40% of men would be open to a romantic relationship with robots as well. Like an actual full-on relationship. And I don't know, Bex, have you, have you seen, so there was like a few years ago, there was this photo essay about this guy and he had all these like sex dolls and he was like in love with them. Have you seen the pictures? I know the story that you're talking about and yeah. I'm just trying not to um, bring those pictures back into my memory. I just think there's something really, I mean, there was actually, I was doing a little research for this little thing and there was a guy, um, he lost his wife to cancer a few years back. And he went on a few dates with people. Nobody was interested in him. He was interested in them, but it just didn't work out or whatever. Mm. And he ended up buying a, um, like a sex doll that sort of physically um, was sort of similar to his wife. And he's been with that doll ever since. It's a bit grim, but like, but it's also kind of, I don't know. Like, I can understand kind of getting that physical comfort, but... I don't know. I feel like it lacks the emotional intelligence. There is no emotional connection. intelligence. Well, there's some kind of intelligence. But isn't that isn't that what you put on? Like you you sort of project onto that that I, that sort of thing, that object. 
Yeah, it's interesting, eh? Yeah, it is. I don't know. We should probably get somebody with like yeah. a sex doll on the podcast because I'd actually, I'd actually really like to find out about it because, um, and uh, people are living for longer as well. Their their um, spouse and style, like that guy we were just talking about, and I think there'll be like more of sort of a market. Well, that sounds so awful when I put it like that, but like there'll be more of a need and a want mm. for people for some sort of companion, even if it is just like a latex rubber thing. <clears throat> Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, on that note... Rubber things. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep talking about sex with Volgear. Let's do it. So we're lucky enough to have the amazing, alluring, provocative Volgear. Volgear is queer, assigned female at birth, cabaret performer and sex enthusiast. Spending six years in London, Volgear fell into the world of kink, BDSM and polyamory. Meeting and losing lifelong friends along the way. So Volgir has this, this radical notion that if we can shake off our shame surrounding sexual pleasure and communicate our wants and desires to the people we trust, uh, we'd all be a lot happier. Volgir thrives on vulgarity, humor, and vulnerability. If you're confused, they're satisfied. Welcome to Dirty Dirty Talk Podcast, Volgir. Kia ora. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I also just want to, yeah, and I'm really excited to this for this because did you know that you were my very first gay slash queer friend when I was like 18, 19 years old? (laughs) They call me the gateway girl for that reason. (laughs) (laughs) So good. I'm not joking. That has been what I've been called by many people. <laughs> I can totally see that. Well, uh, we've known each other for, what, around 11, 11 years now? Yeah, I'd say so. Definitely over a decade. Yeah, so it's been awesome to watch you evolve and grow and get even more amazing and beautiful over the last 10, 11 years. Oh, it's a shame that this is only audio, but I do have a face for radio, so... Well, we'll leave that as it is, but thank you. Yeah, I um, and I guess you were probably my first um, Christian friend, like proper Christian friend, uh, but never judgmental. So I guess that's why you left the religion. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and that's for another podcast episode, my friends. So Volgir, tell us, what is BDSM and what is the difference between that and kink? So uh Kink is probably something that's being used a little bit more as an umbrella term, uh, just because BDSM in itself uh, has quite a few connotations. Um, As a definition, BDSM stands for, uh, so the BD, bondage and discipline, and then the D and the S is dominance and submission, and then the S and M is uh, sadism and I struggle saying this word, masochism. Is that right? Yes, that's the one. Lots of syllables there. Um, So it's all lumped into one and it's kind of, (laughs) if we break it down, bondage and discipline. So uh, physical bondage using, um, it could be rope, it could be silk, it could be chains, fluffy handcuffs that you get in a prize box for a hen's do, you know, that kind of thing. That's what people think of with bondage. Uh, discipline is, yep, one person agreeing that they're going to be the person administering that discipline and the other person consenting to that within boundaries. Dominance and submission is 
uh, a little bit more kind of conceptual because dominance and submission doesn't just relate to sex. It can leak out into people's lifestyles quite naturally and quite well without too many people realizing. Um, and there can be kind of specific rules in place and that varies from partner to partner. Uh, something else is, so, and then sadism and masochism is uh, the getting that arousal from administering pain or from receiving pain. So all of those are kind of under that umbrella. Um, and I think the kink scene is just a little bit more, a little bit more willing to look outside of that box. People can be kinky without necessarily engaging in full on dungeon sex BDSM. You know, so everyone has kinks, everyone has fantasies, and everyone kind of uh, might have fetishes for one reason or another. And getting involved into an open kink scene is where you can kind of explore that in a safe environment with like-minded people. So I just have a really quick question around that. With BDSM and kink and the different aspects of BDSM, like which part of that is actually inherently sexual or is is any of it inherently sexual? Because, I mean, the way that it's sort of put out there is that there's this connection between bondage and, you know, sadism and all these sort of things and a sexual component. Is that the case? Well, generally, yes, but that doesn't mean that it lends itself to it. So that's a really good point. You know, there's... there's many people who engage in aspects of BDSM that uh, are not engaging in the sexual side. They might have a certain way that they play a scene out with a partner that's agreed upon. Um, and it could be, you know, they could keep their clothes on the entire time. It could be just somebody wanting to fulfill a submission kink for someone who's dominant. So that they might not engage in sex at all. There's, there's plenty of people around the world um, whether they be regular participants or sex workers or, you know, people who practice BDSM. But yeah, like you say, it's not always necessarily sex. And it's mm. certainly not always just male, female, penis and vagina sex. Like kink is definitely, I would say, sexual. And then BDSM under that, yeah, like you say, there's definitely elements of it that don't have to include sex. But it, it varies from person to person and partnership to partnership. So, like, in other words, it's not sort of one big monolith of sort of expression, I guess, around sexuality or whatever else. It's, 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 there's a lot of different parts to it. Yeah, I mean, BDSM can be a little bit more specific and then kink is more, you know, kink can be personal. Kink is I'm exploring this kink of mine. You know, I'm exploring this side of me. Um, that might be people... And, you know, we'll touch on this another time, but in terms of gender expression, some people might find they have a kink of uh, dressing in, you know, gendered clothes from somebody else or um, performing as another gender. Um, th that could be their kink. Whether they do that in the sexual realm or not is, is totally up to them as well. What attracts people to BDSM and kink? And what was the allure for you? Oh, uh, well, I kind of... <laughs> fell into it um accidentally uh it was it was literally I was waitressing in London I'd only been there for two months and there was a table of these three people and we got along really well and 
I basically just said, hey, I've just moved here. Here's my number. Had lunch with them a few weeks later and they started telling me all about the crazy things that they get up to. And I guess I knew I was interested because I was interested, you know, like I, I didn't hear that and go, oh my God, that is so not for me. I heard that and I was like, ooh, I would love to get involved with like, you know, how do I do that? And I, I was very lucky because I had, I had people I was getting into it with who were still relatively new, but they were kind of, um, you know, very adventurous, but still very friendly. And it wasn't like a huge part of their lives. It was just a fun thing that they did. Um, so I just was just fascinated by it, uh, in terms of meeting people and starting to get involved. I think I started to really appreciate, uh, what it actually is in terms of the communication that it brings. Um, and that level of trust and respect that you actually develop when you are practicing, um, BDSM or involved in kind of kinky scenes or kinky parties and things like that. Um, I think, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but the allure for other people, I mean, you know, like I said, everyone has kinks and fetishes and fantasies. Um, and <clears throat> some of them, if you were just to tell your friends at dinner what some of your fantasies or fetishes may be, they might come across sounding degrading. It might be something that sounds really emasculating. Um, it might sound painful. It might sound embarrassing. Uh, so, you know, it, to, to be able to have people that you can talk to openly and explore that with in a really safe space so that you know that you're not going to be harmed, you're not, you know that you're not going to harm another person, um, that's kind of the allure of getting into the actual community. Um, and I think there's a big crossover with the kink community and LGBTQIA+. Um, you know, because we both kind of exist in those margins of society and can be viewed as other, can be viewed as unnatural, uh, but overall once, you know, you can be in one or not the other or vice versa, but overall they just bring together like a beautiful sense of love and compassion and trust. Like that's kind of, I don't think people realize how much love and trust there is. <laughs> the Man, I think community. that is so interesting when you talk about BDSM and the kink community involving a lot of openness and trust and communication because and we're going to touch on this really soon because that tends to be kind of the opposite of how society portrays it but yeah yeah look, for sure yeah but look you you say that you are a sex enthusiast vulgar <laughs> so what makes you a sex enthusiast how do you differentiate yourself um between yourself and others who who really love sex well, I think, um, I mean, as you know about me, because you've known me for so long, I am always prepared, <laughs> prepared. I'm always enthusiastic to, to talk about it openly um, and to kind of not, not present the sort of judgmental front to people. I think it's really important that more people are willing to have conversations surrounding sex and surrounding pleasure, um, particularly, you know, pleasure for a... Um, like female pleasure particularly um, you know and just kind of escaping that moral panic that can happen when you start to you know when you're growing up and you start to kind of like learn how to pleasure yourself and learn what that is and get excited about it but then you feel that shame that is associated with it so it's kind of about being open and honest with people and also on an interpersonal sexual level 
um, it can be really fun and really exciting for people to, to get involved with it. So I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. I'm happy if people have questions because I want to shed light on it where people think it's like this dark seedy spot. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Lots of, <laughs> lots in there. Just a bit of listening quietly. It's really interesting. Um, well, Gia, like, so true BDSM, um, and I don't really know what the difference between true and not true is, but I, I got a quote from you and, and, um, explain to me like how this sort of sits, but you said, uh, quote, true BDSM is one of the safest way to explore kinks, but taboo and connotation prevents people from engaging with it correctly. What, what, what's, what's true BDSM and what is engaging with it correctly? Cause I think there's a lot, a lot in there and I think. A lot of people out there who don't know anything about BDSM or even kinks and stuff will be like, well, there's this, they can see it as kind of dangerous because part of the aesthetic is a bit edgy and stuff. Like, what, what, what's your sort of take on that? Yeah, so I guess my my words on that with like true BDSM, uh, basically it's just like get when you want to get involved or getting involved with BDSM, it doesn't mean that you just turn up to some sex dungeon and you just go for it. You know, there's, when I say that, what I mean is engaging with it means respecting it and respecting the people that you're doing it with. So it is about communication. It's about boundaries. It's about having those things in place um, and respecting them from people so that, you know, when, when someone says to you that your safe word, which I'll touch on later about, um, like when you're in a relationship, but you know, when somebody wants to talk about or like say a safe word or something, if you're in a submissive um, position, you have full trust with your dominant partner and you need to trust that when you say your safe word, they will stop the play. Um, I've had like, you know, conversations with male colleagues and stuff over the years, working in bars and working in restaurants. And you sometimes come across guys who think it's funny to say something like, oh, I don't use a safe word. I don't believe in those. And it's like, whoa, fuck, dude, like, who do you, like, that's sexual assault, you know, like, and, and that's incredibly, incredibly disrespectful to people who do practice BDSM safely or do engage with the kink scene safely, because it is so much more than just the leather and the straps and the handcuffs and the whips and the chains, <laughs> like that kind of perception. It is about, you know, actually making sure that you are doing your research. So there's lots of subreddits on it. There's lots of books on it um, and there's people to talk to. So that's what I mean by engaging with it correctly and safely. Uh, you can't just choke someone in the middle of sex and then if they don't like it, accuse them of being vanilla because that's not, that's not safe. Wait, you know? that, have, have you, have you, have you come across that? Yeah. I mean, it's more like, it's particularly with dating apps, you know, like back in the day when I was on them, um, you know, you sometimes sort of get, start talking to someone and, and it would be a guy who's like excited about this fantasy, um, of like me being a dom and like me dominating them. And they would try and turn the fantasy around. This is just like sexting, but they'd try and turn the fantasy around to be like, 
um, oh yeah, but then I break free of the chains and then I throw you on the bed. And I'm like, no, dude, you're the submissive in this story. Like we haven't agreed on this little switcheroo that you've just pulled on me. Um, so, so that, that's, you know, that's over the phone. So it's a little bit safer, but you know, you hear about like, and on the much darker side of this, you know, there are guys being charged with murder because in the middle of something they say it's rough sex, but the, you know, their partner, God, you know, and it does happen and it's really upsetting, but you do have women that that happens to. Yeah. So on that note, I like, I wanted to ask what are some safe ways of practicing BDSM? Like, are there any limits? Like you've mentioned things like using safe words. Um, what are some other ways that, that people can be sure that they're going to be, you know, not yeah. murdered? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Low bar, man. Like low bar. The bar. Oh my seriously, gosh. On dating apps, Mike, you don't understand. The bar is low. Ugh. We have to spell oh, it yeah. out to them. So yeah, please like, spell it out. Spell it hey, out to us, Bogey. Hey, if we meet, will you not kill me? Um. So, <laughs> I think. Um. Well. So, so well, when you say safe words, yeah. So safe word, any kind of communication around that, around limits and boundaries and things like that. Um that communication and the research, it needs to happen before the arousal starts. Cause it's difficult to talk about a safe word when you've already got a ball gag in your mouth. You know, it's best to, <laughs> it's, it's, it's best to be with someone that you trust or that you know that they're experienced and they're not going to take advantage of your inexperience. Um, they, there might be things that you want to do, but your partner might not want to do or vice versa. So imagine you were, um, you know, imagine you said to your partner that you were excited to be tied up and whipped and then your partner does that, but then they also pull your hair and spit in your mouth without your consent. Whoa. So Far it's, out. you know, and like, that's, again, that might sound extreme to some people and vanilla to others. Um, so it's really important when you're exploring kinks that you get, you get as specific as you can. So when you are getting into it, you know, be honest, be specific. I like when my hair is pulled, but only when you're behind me. Or I like when you do this, but only when I've got clothes on. Those sorts of things. So right. you, and it, you need to create that space where there's no judgment and there's no fear of rejection. Um, but yeah, just on safe words, you know, it's the idea that you can call it out and that everyone knows that that scene, like that's stopping now. Another thing is always checking in. So just checking in with your partner, making sure that they're okay, particularly if it's something that's quite physically uh, intense. Um, and then aftercare, which aftercare is after the scene has finished and the dom usually gives the sub aftercare, whether that's just getting them a glass of water and making them a sandwich or wrapping them up in a duvet and putting on a favorite movie or, you know, if they've got bruises from all the spanking, like looking after them, it, it could be anything, but you don't know, like you don't know what that is until you openly talk about it. <laughs> Mike, oh, yeah. Mike's, I wish you guys could see Mike's face right now because it looks like he's seen a ghost. No, 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 no. It's so great. Cause I'm just like, I have so many questions. <laughs> I did. I, I did just want to, just one more thing about doing it safely. Yeah, please, um, please, 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 please. Another way to do this safely is, actually to hire a sex worker, like which may seem kind of odd, especially if you're already in a relationship and you're looking at bringing in a third, you know, and, and you're wanting to explore that. A really safe way is actually to hire a sex worker because you're paying someone for the service and they're introducing you to the world in a safe, 
controlled environment. Mm. Um, I think that's actually something that more people should consider, you know? Um, okay. Just, uh, where to begin? <laughs> like, I'm just going to, like, I'm going to throw you about... I've just written down some questions as you've been speaking. Um, I'm just going to, like, write, say them all, and you can sort of pick and choose what you want to answer. So, okay. <clears throat> the best BDSM story you've got, and, you know, if you don't want to answer these things, whatever, that's all good. The best time you had, and, and I don't even know what I mean by the best time, whether that's sort <laughs> of... I don't even know what that means. The most Jesus. dangerous time or the worst time? Again, I don't my know what mother, that means. My mother is not going to listen to this. <laughs> Neither <laughs> is mine. <laughs> um, what a normal experience would look like. I'm, I'm, I'm quite... So, okay, not like... Uh, normal is the wrong word to sort of describe this, but it's well, so, the most usual... Well, I guess like... Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's no one, one size fits mm, all mm, mm, and... There's a double entendre there. Read into that what you will. But um, essentially, um, you know, you know that you've had a good experience when all partners involved feel cared for and listened to and, like, their needs have been met at the end, you know. It could be something very, like, you know, entry level. It could just be as simple as putting on a blindfold or, um, you know, changing up your voice and making sure that the person only calls you sir or only calls you madam for that whole experience. Um, so there's, there's no one way to do it, but if you, if all parties involved and there could be many, um, if they're all feeling yeah cared and looked after and heard and had their needs met by the end, then you know that it's been successful. I feel like well, some of the best ones I've been to, um, what we call like play parties and, um, they're just lots of fun. Like, it's kind of difficult to explain because when you say to someone for the first time, like, hey, yeah, there's a dance floor upstairs, there's a bar, there's a smoking area, and then downstairs there's three private rooms, a dom bondage demonstration, and you can take lessons from Captain Crop if you so fancy. Um, and then there's some face painting, and then there's a huge room where everyone's having an orgy. So... It's when I, you know, when you hear that, you think, holy fuck, like, how do I even navigate something like that? But when you're actually there in that moment, like, you can navigate where you go, you know? I might just pop my head in and be like, hey, to my friends, and then I'll go upstairs and play spin the bottle with 10 people and then have a dance. Like, you know, there's some parties that are strictly you get there and it is literally just we're here for sex, where, like, there's a there's a piece of furniture over there I'm going to tie you to. Like, sometimes it can be like that. But I think that it, there's just such a variety of experiences that people can have. Um, I definitely met an amazing Dom in London, and he was, you would never know. He was the sweetest man in the world, just wonderful. But he was a fully experienced Dom, and he would train people to be Doms as well. And the first thing he says to them is, when I train you, you will be fully submissive because the first lesson in dominance is empathy, which is just like that blew my mind because I was like, I didn't even consider that that's part of it. But a submissive person always has control, basically. OK, so we're going to redirect slightly. We've already kind of mentioned that, you know, society tends to have a pretty um, at times 
either negative or extreme view of BDSM and kink. How do you think society views it? And do you think that it's changed over time or is it still changing? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's changed a lot just with the way that, you know, even just the notion like sex is between a man and a woman, like that is no longer the accepted reality. Like, I think we've gone very far past that, which is really great. Um, I feel like it's coming into the mainstream a little bit more. Um, but, you know, just it, like, people people are scared to talk about those sorts of things. And there's a lot of lack of openness with even the people around us because sex is designed to be something behind closed doors, um, you know, or it's something associated with shame, whether that be a personal experience or like religious upbringing or conservative views or things like that. Um, and I think people are, people are afraid of, of the unknown and sometimes with men, you know, they can be afraid of being emasculated. So they may not want to receive any penetration or they may not want to see their partner use like a sex toy or a dildo that is bigger than their penis because they might then feel emasculated you know so it it boils down to quite like animalistic you know those primal kind of jealousy and that feeling of rejection um i think people are afraid of pain and they're afraid of you know that they don't see bdsm as something where there are safe words and there is control so they think of it and they just think oh punishment torture you know, <laughs> I'm not enjoying this. I'm scared. Like they, they put themselves in that position without actually considering the emotional benefits that can come from it. Ah, uh, oh my God. There's going to be like a really interesting debrief, Bex. I was just <laughs> thinking that. I was honestly just thinking, oh my God, I have so many things that I want to unpack from what you're saying. So maybe we'll just like, maybe we'll just get you back on yeah. um, to like Honestly. do it with us. It's crazy. <laughs> there's so much, there's so much happening in this conversation. Um, no, I, I know, I know. It's just <laughs> blowing my mind. Um, kind of move on a little bit. Um, talking about sort of how mainstream society sort of receives BDSM. So we have movies like 50 Stages of Grey, which we talked about before. We have Rihanna, we have um, Paris Hilton, all sort of um, appropriating aspects of BDSM and kink culture. Like, what are your views on this? Like, how, how do you see that? Does it dilute the subculture or do you think the community is more like sort of appreciative of, of what they're doing for the, for the culture in terms of the exposure? Um, that's a good question. I think it... Um... I think it can kind of glamorize it, like fetishize it in a certain way. And also I feel like it can put it on a pedestal or like just, it, it can really narrow the lens that you see it through. So it can really, yeah, like you say, like almost dilute, but it, it can, it can kind of erase all the other parts of BDSM because when people receive media or pop culture or references, you know, then they decide, oh, that's what BDSM is. But they don't then go and do research and find out more about it. They just decide that that's what it is. Um, I mean, but, you know, something like Fifty Shades of Grey, as badly written as it was and before it got made into films, you know, I think a positive to take away from that was that it was 
allowing women and like usually women of, of over a certain age it was allowing them to be excited about their own sexual arousal you know like they were so i liked that about 50 shades of gray as a book i liked um that people were using erotica as a tool for exploring their fantasies uh, because often if you see BDSM presented in like pornography, it is not representative of what is actually happening um, or what does actually happen. So there was elements of Fifty Shades of Grey that I thought were good. However, the emotional manipulation that the main character presented to the to the woman, what's her name? Anna? Something like that? Yeah, Christian Grey and Anna, wasn't it? Um, you know, the emotional manipulation that he put her through, the emotional control, that wasn't like a dominant submissive thing with controls and boundaries. That was just a controlling, rich, powerful man, you know? So that kind of represented this fantasy that I think needs work. Yeah. Yeah. So, so those kind of mainstream um, portrayals didn't really incorporate those concepts around openness, trust, communication uh, that you're saying is central to to BDSM and and inc- incorporating kink like safely and, and in a healthy way yeah. into your relationship. Exactly. I mean, you it's it's about checking in with them during the scene and having those conversations beforehand and engaging in that aftercare with a person. This is kind of a weird. It's kind of more of an academic question, it sort of feels like. Um, but I was sort of thinking about BDSM and kink in, the, in terms of, of practice, um, or whether it is whether you describe it as a practice or whether you describe it as an identity or whether you describe it as both, or h- how would you look at it? Because I, I, I hear a lot of what's going on with this conversation. It's super interesting, and a lot of it sort of like centered around around the practice of BDSM and around the practice of kink, but also I feel like there's a lot more in there as well. I mean, I was, um, for research for another interview um, we want to do, <laughs> I was on um, Fit, Fit Life, I think it's called, mm-hmm. fitlife.com. Oh, my goodness. That's quite the deep end of research. Yeah, yeah well, you know, I, don't, I, do, I do it, you know, like I... We're very committed. Yeah, we're committed people. What can I say? Even, um, even I don't use Fit Life, blimey. Well, I was having a look at... And it's like, this is... I mean, there's this whole big subculture. I mean, we talked about this before a little bit. Like, it's not just a practice. It's, it, it is... There is an identity, but, like, what's... Where does it sort of... Where does one go to the other and, and vice versa? Like, how do you kind of see it as somebody, like, as somebody who practices BDSM versus somebody who identifies with a dom or whatever? Like, what's your yeah, sort of take on that? I mean, there's, well, if I refer back to, like, that, that friend of mine in London who is a professional dom, um, he's absolutely not like that unless he is in that space. You know, you you would you would never know just from who he is as a person. Um, and then, you know, you've got some people who they're in partnerships and they are like they're collared. So the sub wears a collar, either symbolically like an anklet or something, or like a full on neck collar. And it is to display their devotion to their to and like the level of ownership that exists between them and their dom. Um but it is, it's really, truly, there is not one size that fits all. You know, there's some people that like to just do it on the weekend or every now and then they'll like go to a swingers party and they'll try it out or, 
you know, like I say, they might get a pair of fluffy handcuffs when they're at a hen's do and think, oh, this will be fun. <laughs> so, yeah, it's so some people incorporate it every day and some people are just sort of just behind closed doors. So, Volgia, if we have a listener who is wanting to start incorporating some BDSM or kink into their sex life, where's a good place for them to start? What advice would you give them? And are there any limits? Um, honestly, I would say... Like, I would say get on Reddit and just start to look at the BDSM advice subreddit. Um, like, I think it's I think it's important to just just take in as much information as you can because whether you're partnered or not, you still need to decide what your limits are before you get to that stage with another person. Um, so it's BDSM it's, and, and getting into that, it's a, it starts with yourself. It starts with self-exploration and actually asking, what do I want? How could I potentially get that from a partner? Where would I be in that? How would I feel about it? What would that give me? Um, you know, unfortunately you need to get quite sterile with it. You know, you can't be doing this when you're already turned on. You have to actually think like, how can I do this safely with, another person or other people um yeah i think definitely subreddit and then there's going to be lots of resources for books and things like that and just start to start to read some kink erotica and just sort of see where your kinks are and and what excites you and and don't be ashamed of what might excite you especially erotica because you're just reading words off a page so you can't control what you're attracted to um and then from there, once you kind of know what that kink is, yeah, find a way to, to practice it safely with consenting adults. That's that's how it needs to go. This is not a sex podcast, just this saying. This is absolutely <laughs> not a sex podcast. <laughs> no, but you did invite me. Wait. On. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this has been such an interesting conversation. And I feel like we can just talk for hours and hours. I know that. After this, Mike and I are going <laughs> to have a debrief and, yeah, have a lot to say. Um, but any last words or advice for those who are after a bit of kink in their lives? Yeah, I mean, I guess don't don't be scared and don't be afraid of your own sexual desires and exploring ways to increase your own sexual pleasure. Every human on the planet deserves that like every human on the planet deserves access to that basically in a safe environment. Um, I think don't believe everything you see on TV and read um, in the papers, you know, the press will always jump on a story which represents BDSM in the worst possible light. And it is really not like that. The, the people I know in the kink community are the nicest, friendliest, most lovely, colorful people you have ever met and they do great costumes you know like it's 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 a fun community to be a part of uh whether you're there for a year or just trying it out or whether you engage with it for the rest of your life it's um it's something worth exploring and there's so many resources out there there's so many amazing content creators um you know sex educators and things like that online one of my favorites is um her name's luna matatas um, and she is absolutely just hosts really awesome, like online and in-person sex classes, you know, if you're wanting to explore 
anal play or you're wanting to try something a little bit different or you're wanting it's just like male focused or just female focused or you've got disabilities and you want to try and incorporate new things into your sex life with that she's a really great sex educator um there's oh my gosh there's so many more but i think just like just support the queer artists and creatives in your life because they nine times out of ten uh they're the people who are getting (laughs) poached on for that and speaking of creative artists you are one yourself you do some amazing cabaret and comedy so where can people find you uh, so, well, I'm currently in lockdown right now, um, but I am, I'm, I'm booked for a show uh, in Auckland called Mengagement, which is a drag king um, show, which is very exciting. So uh, you can follow me on Vulgar Drag DJ on Instagram and on Twitter, if you want to hear my stupid leftist political takes, it's V is for Vulgar. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, guys, thank you so much for uh, giving us, um, you know, a little bit of your time to chat about this. I, mean, I like honestly, I, I feel like we've just like just just touching the surface. Like, I, I want to like go into another deep dive, but for now, I guess we're so my pleasure. There, <laughs> thank you, my darling, and we'll right, be getting you on again soon. So okay, you're stuck right. with have, us now. Have fun in the debrief. Oh, we will. <laughs> Mike. Yes, yes, Bex. I quite enjoyed watching your facial expressions during that interview. What are some of the things that were going on in your mind? I, I don't know. I don't even know where to begin. I just, I had so much fun listening to Volgaire talk about her experience. I mean, it's just something that I don't know anything about. And it was just super refreshing and, and interesting and you and insightful that I guess that's where it sort of come down to like she was talking about her experiences with these things and that thing and, and, and sort of talking about you know communication is one of the biggest things of BDSM and kink it's like that's fantastic it I just had so much and also like on a personal side um you know I need to sort of like start thinking about these things in another way like I mean I'm, I'm fucking, I don't really care. Like, if you're into this thing or that thing, it doesn't affect me. Um, anybody who knows my history and won't put it out in the podcast, but, like, they're like, it's fine, you know. But it does sort of, what she sort of said was, like, yeah, just sort of be open and chill about stuff. So it was really cool. What about you, Bex? Yeah, I mean, like, we've kind of alluded to the fact that I was brought up in quite a conservative Christian family and environment. Um, I mean, but I've been super lucky to have friends like Volgaer and others along the way. And obviously I've deconstructed and reconstructed my own ideas around religion and sexuality and all that. But like the essence of this conversation, I feel like with Volgaer, is that she's giving us permission to explore our sexuality, like in in whatever way we want to do. And, and basically saying that there's no right or wrong, like as long as we're practicing in a safe healthy open kind of way that it's okay to have different desires different wants to want to explore new things try new things like I think that's like bloody awesome and we need to be having more of these conversations and and I think that the only like bad thing about sexuality is when we're not talking about it yeah I mean that was like the biggest one of the biggest takeaways from me at the end 
like a permission structure, as I mentioned, it's like, well, I know there's a lot of people out there who feel this way about a thing sexually or, or whatever it might be. Um, and it's like, well, actually, you can totally do that. And you have to remember as well, like, gay and that scene was seen as like a like underground movement until what? Like, not even that long ago. And so, you know, not saying it's not quite the same, but, like, you can kind of make parallels between, like, sort of it being this part of, you know, how we feel or whatever, we're kind of like repressing it, and versus, like, actually, like, being okay with sort of exploring that and, and, and having, you know, like, looking into it, I guess. Yeah, and, like, stuff that she was talking about that I've never heard of mentioned in mainstream media, for example, aftercare, mm. this concept that... What, you know, when you're introducing or you're practicing BDSM or kink in your sex life, that you have, you communicate a plan around that, including how you're going to care for one another afterwards. And it's these kind of things that are missing in the narrative around kink and BDSM. And that's why it's so important to have people like Volgia to show us and highlight that it's okay. It's not something to be scared of. And that, like she says, we can't believe everything that we hear or read in the media. Mm. So... Oh, God. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like deep breath. Yeah. So, what? <laughs> no, I just, I like, I guess one of the things that I wanted to ask you, particularly Bex, is around, you know, we at the top of the show, you were talking about like how you used to be a Christian and stuff. I mean, ha- how does, how does BDSM and that whole thing sort of work with your mm, evolution is not the right, quite the right word journey i guess uh from then to now knowing logger that through that period of time yeah that's a really good question um i mean i would have known i wouldn't have known anything about bdsm or what kink would involve like 10 years ago when i was still part of the the christian faith and church um but yeah when i met volgear um she early on talked to me about like her sexuality and like i mentioned she was probably the first like really close queer friend that I had and I loved her and accepted her for who she was and you know when you you humanize people when you get to know them and build relationships with them and so she, she wasn't someone that was gay or queer she's just my friend and a, and a really close friend and I think that really helped me on my my journey but it was also part of the thing that kind of pushed me out of the church because I was starting to realize that there's actually nothing wrong with expressing yourself different to how society says you should be, particularly how the church says you should be. Yeah. Sorry, can I just kind of cut in there a bit? It's a real quick question. Okay, so you have a a group of people or um, just people generally who feel this way, who have their own sort of things around sexuality and stuff, none of which, but one of which... Uh, for the most part, is, like, detrimental to the fucking decline of the sort of morality of the whatever the fuck. But, yeah. like, h- how did, how did, how did Chris, I mean, pre, pre-meeting um, Volgaire, like, how did you kind of view BDSM and kink and stuff? Because it would have been a little bit different, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I was a product of my environment, and, and I'm, you know, honestly, it was something that I I thought wasn't, right 
because I was brought up to believe yeah, but, that. But, but, but how though? Like, like if, for example, okay, for example, if you are a consenting man and woman and you're married, like let's say for example, just person right. from the church, but you still do like BDSM and or kink or whatever. Like how 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 could the church possibly look down on that? Because like the 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 core tenets of like what it is to be married and all the rest of it's still there. So it's not that the church looked down on it; it's that the church wouldn't speak about it, and that is a really dangerous yeah, thing. Right. Is that the church doesn't talk about sexuality outside the norms of just you wait until you're married to lose your virginity, you're, then you're in a marriage, you're in a relationship where you can have sex. That's it. There is no talking about anything else. Um, especially things like BDSM. That just wouldn't come up. There's no conversation. And when there isn't a conversation about something, you're made to feel like it's wrong to even talk about it or think about it. And that's the harm that the church has had on individual sexuality, in in my opinion. Um, You know, there may be listeners out here are still part of a church, and that's okay. Um, But I think where where it becomes harmful is when we start judging other people for their practices and and looking down on them or thinking that there's something wrong with them. Um, And I think that's why it's really exciting that we've legalized gay marriage, that we're about to ban, hopefully, um, gay conversion therapy. Because, as you say, there is absolutely nothing wrong with someone expressing their sexuality in, in whatever way that they want, as long as it's consensual. Yeah, it's super interesting. Like, what I hear, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I hear is is your view when you were a Christian sort of seems to be like the bedrock fundamental sort of perspective of most New Zealanders. And that's sort of, we build up from that point. That's right. And to, to sort of get your take on that as a christian it's like the origin of why we why generally in the mainstream we have these sort of issues around taboo sexual sort of stuff that's right a lot of our um societal um culture and constructions are based off christianity Mm. those foundations christianity and for some reason christians seem to focus on sex a lot even though it's not really mentioned that much in the bible (laughs) um which is yeah, I've always been baffled by that. And that was a question I always asked from a really young age is why do we focus on this so much mm. as a topic similar to other things like abortion? Um, but yeah, so so even though I did hold these views as a Christian early on, they very quickly evolved and transformed and I started to deconstruct those, you know, as I started going to uni, as I made friends with people like Volgaire and others. And I came to realize that there is absolutely nothing wrong with with expressing your sexuality, um, being adventurous, engaging in things like BDSM, kink. Um, And hopefully we'll get Volgaire on the show to talk a little bit more about other things, about being queer, polyamory, um, other sides of sexuality, which even though I may not engage in myself, I think is absolutely fine for those who want to. That is very true, Bex. I don't even know. Like that's my that's my I don't know what to say from this point. <laughs> okay. My question for you, so after this conversation with yeah. Volgir, do you feel inspired or um I guess more kind of like interested in exploring this kind of idea of kink or BDSM in your own kind of sex life and relationship? Not necessarily. I think I mean it's like anything that you just gain a deeper understanding of like you know i might not be um interested in it 
sort of from a practicing point of view, like practicing that stuff, but I'm really interested in how it works and the mechanics of it and the sort of sociological sort of components of it. Cause I think it's really fascinating. Um, and I don't, I don't give a shit. Like I think like more power to you, you know, you want to do these sort of things. If you can find an avenue for, for you, for you to express yourself, then I'm really like, I'm, I'm stoked about it for, for, for you. I guess to me personally is that I've got sort of, I'm pretty chill with where I'm at, but it does, it does. What we'll get said around sort of like, just generally how we sort of uh, look at it. I don't know. When it came to the communication aspect and all that sort of stuff, I was like, that's really cool, man. I thought that's that was like a really, that's like, she sort of like, the way she sort of was like the, the fundamental or sort of the, 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 um, the bedrock of BDSM sort of comes out of communication. And if we can sort of like think about that, and, and that's something I haven't thought about before, so that was really neat. Yeah, that was really awesome. You? Me, uh, I'd probably describe myself as being pretty vanilla, um, (laughs) similar to you, I guess. But, you know, it's definitely some food for thought and having like discussions like this breaks down the barriers and and it does make me more open to exploring different aspects of my sexuality. Um, Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) And hey, um, Volgia is a really awesome person to engage with. Um, she's always open to questions and engaging and discussing these kind of topics or for people who are just starting to get into it. So on our Instagram page, Dirty Dirty Talk Podcast on Instagram, you'll be able to find a link to her. So don't be afraid to check her out and ask some questions about yeah. some, some kink. 100%. Um, her Instagram is super cool. Lots of cool stuff going on there. And um, yeah, a great, a great pod and we'll probably get it back. I'm sure not. I'm sure we'll get it back for another, another podcast. For sure. Thank you so much for listening to Doody Doody Talk podcast. Thank you. Goodbye. Kia ora.